fuck are my notes? <laughs> they're just in the, they're not in the folder. Oh, right. There it is. They just say Maisel. I'm so formal. I put them in the folders. I keep the the title names. I do everything I'm talking. Gotta keep it loose. Some yokey dokey. Woo! All right, let's start this podcast. Sophie. And I'm Maddie. And welcome to Single Bass Scene. This week's episode, The Marvelous, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> okay, Soph, why do you, did you start watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? It feels like a thousand years ago, and I only say that because I have no memory of watching season one, like, at all. So... I'm assuming I started watching it because there was posters and stuff around New York and I'm sure they were doing promo, you know, like on Instagram and stuff on socials. Mm -hmm. And I love a period drama and I love the fifties. So it probably. It just like checked all the boxes. Yeah. I thought it was weird that I was on Amazon, but whatever. Like I'm sure I watched it, watched season one. Um, in a binge, of course. Yeah, I think um, about you? this was the first um, Amazon show that, like, I remember being, like, actively. I know there was other Amazon shows. I'm not saying it was the first one on there, but it was the first one that, like, I looked into how to get Prime. You know what I mean? Uh, like, okay. Because I was, like, I have Amazon Prime, but I that was, you know, I didn't know that it. Right, it had a whole other a, arm, yeah. A thing, but I started watching it because I will literally follow Amy Sherman Palladino anywhere. Okay, right. Yes, she Amy Sherman Palladino. Gilmore Girls, yeah. Bunheads, her and her husband, um, Dan, they are a little dynamic duo who are really good at writing fast females who are complex, right? Like, they're right. not, like, stereotypical. Like, they just kind of know how to, to speak a language that I speak, probably because I was raised on Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Um, and it's fun. I, I like to play a game where it's, like, I'll try to guess who directed the episode because... <laughs> They they have such interesting and obvious directing <laughs> style. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Just my a game. <laughs> that's a game that I play where I try she to guess a normal thing, <laughs> totally normal thing, or I'll try to guess who wrote it like off oh of the God. dialogue. That's hilarious. I so I watched season one, you know, when it came out, but I did not watch, did not go back to Maisel until we were quarantined. Oh, wow. So you watched season two and three. Yes. I, I don't think months. I even fully realized that uh, the third season had even come out. I just remember I never went back to it. I never felt like turning it back on. And I was with my, the initial wave of I've run out of the shows that I was watching before the quarantine, finished all of those up and was like, oh, what do I watch now? Um, yeah. I was like, well, I guess like I was really dragging my feet to watch the second and third seasons and- it took me a while to figure out why. And as I've mentioned before on the podcast, I really don't like cringe TV. And her bombing is cringy to me. Like, it's really stressful for me to watch her bomb. Like, that's not fun. Like, I don't want her to, like, get up on stage and just the entire time be terrified that she's going to flop. And that happens a lot in season one. And so I just don't think I was ready to watch more of that. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I don't know, but I, I, that was honestly probably the main thing that held me back. I was like, oh, I can't deal with the stress of her performing and it may or may not be going. And her whole life is kind of chaotic with her, like the kids and her ex-husband. And I don't know. I was just like, I, I don't know if I can, I just didn't want to turn it back on, but I mean, I was glad I did. I had a similar thing happen with, with Maisel. Yeah. So like I watched all of season one, binged it. It was great. It was like our family Christmas show. So like mm. we, we were all staying at my parents' house. We all watched it. Yeah. And then season two came out in November and my dad sent like a group text that was like, no one watched Maisel. We're going to watch it together. So we watched it to like episode seven together as a family. And then I like never wanted to watch it on my own. Like once I left yeah. my parents' house and then I got sick, which is like a moral of how I can get anything done is I get some yeah. sort of illness. And I watched the end of season two and all of season three in like one day. And I was like, why did I stop watching <laughs> this? Like, it's so great. It's so funny. Yeah. But I will say a lot of the shows we watch, it makes me want to like go back and like start from the beginning or like really like we, you and I have talked about this, I think a little bit more off the podcast than on, but we kind of like get in like the equivalent of like a show hangover yeah. where it's like, it's really hard to shake some of these shows cause we're doing them at a series pace. Yeah. So it's like hard to want to turn anything on other than, than gossip girl. When we've been talking about gossip yeah. girl for three weeks or, or whatever. And this one, I didn't necessarily want to go back and like live in the three seasons that exist, but it made mm-hmm. me really excited for what they're going to bring into season four. Right. Like I know it's se- not over. It's not over. Right. Season three did end on like such a fucking bummer, oh, but oh I read an interview. We're going to get into it later. I read an interview with Amy and Dan where they were talking about like how easy it is for the time period. And like the fact that she's a female comic, like they're like, we have a million ways to like, knock her down like it's so easy Mm -hmm. to do that but what's really going to be exciting is figuring out how to navigate this world for her and like that's the life of a comic right one step forward two steps back right so it's just going to be that but I'm really interested to see how they do it and also this is a show that's going to be completely like it's going to be able to ignore COVID without yeah. being tone deaf and completely and not, it would be like, it would, it's they like wouldn't like, like, why would they? Yeah. It's 50 years in the future for them. Like, <laughs> so it'll be also just kind of nice that I'm sure. And I I'm, mean, what would they address polio? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're addressing like the civil rights movement, maybe like, but it's still the well, 60s. Yeah. They're so already kind of like in doing that, a little bit of yeah, it but, with, with shy, but so it's going to be, but it'll be like things that, that are fun and not like, I am a little bit curious to see how some of these shows tackle current events or if they're going to just ignore them completely. Yeah. But I'm excited that this show can just like. Right. Like sigh, I, all those writers are like sigh of relief. Yeah. Like, like we write on woo. a period piece. Yeah. Essentially. Um, speaking though of the period piece of it all, mm-hmm. I have never been able to get through a viewing session of Maisel without getting out my Etsy app and searching for <laughs> vintage fascinators. Um, her style, the way You're that the they only person her. I know who owns a fascinator, unironically. I own a lot. I know. The only, <laughs> genuinely, the only thing that stops me from buy, actually buying them every time I'm on a Maisel binge is they're incredibly hard to store. Like, if you remember the scene from, the, the, like, the in the finale, she that hallway, and she's, like, waiting for her taxi. She has to have two taxis because she has all this stuff. Well, the entire hallway is, like, filled with hat boxes. Right, right, like, right. Like, that's, that's how you have to travel with a fucking hat. Like, it each hat has to have its own box, and otherwise it gets crushed. Like, right, there's right, no... Right. And, I no, guess logically it, it makes sense. It's just right. not something that we in like 2020 or don't have really about, ever had to think of. Right. It's like ball caps well, or right. No, for sure. One hat. And if you live you carry. in a, if you have a walk-in closet, which like a lot of people do, nobody, 
my broke ass in New York definitely doesn't. But if you have, if you have a walk-in closet, okay, you have room for a bunch of hot boxes, but they're kind of hard to find now. And you really want one that's like the right size for the hat. And it's really rare that the hat you buy comes with the box. And even then it's like, what, 70 year old cardboard and they don't hold up super well. So just the whole thing is like kind of a nightmare. Um, You're being a dork. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm just this saying. This is how we watch shows. I all guess the directors and the writers <laughs> and you try to find a like, way to. How do I wear all the outfits? Yeah. But the costumes are just so like eye candy. Her whole ensembles are so gorgeous. They do such a great job. And it's so fantastic for us as 2020 viewers because so much of the shows that are actually shot in the 50s and 60s are in black and white. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we actually get to see, like, Technicolor, um, all the fun colors and stuff that, you know, they have, yeah. have her in. And you just know that the costume, the wardrobe team for the show is having so much fun because sure. they get to do show outfits, they get to do shopping outfits, they get yes. to do work outfits, they get to do workout outfits. She has like a new outfit really on get all to the tackle yeah. all of, all of the, the time mm -hmm. yes and when they go and yeah she they put them in so many scenarios i mean th when they go to summer camp she goes to the cat miami yeah, she, yeah it's winter it's summer it's working out yeah like the workout classes like you said like there's just they dress her in so many scenarios and like at the time you know and even now you know you have to have like a different kind of outfit for all of them and so it just seems yeah, like you said, like so much fun to costume the show, and I would because it's fun I, to watch as someone who doesn't yes. watch a lot of shows that take place mm -hmm. not in present day or early aughts fashion, which is mm -hmm. just like juicy couture. <laughs> so it is really fun that even if I'm like, oh, scenes like kind of boring me, but like her outfit's beautiful, so gorgeous. Yeah, and like I, even Susie, like being a different yeah, type of character. Totally. Oh my god, who's her? He's like, excuse the loud toy that you just heard. What rooster? I might be able to edit it out but anyway um I always thought our podcast would be called edit this out um we did one do you want to talk about the pilot outfits. oh okay We're still I feel on. like there was one more thing about the outfits Susie oh well if I was um Rachel Brosnahan Yes. I would be, dem I would have it in my fucking contract that I get to keep all the clothes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, they like, they must make them for her for the her. most part. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like it's entire matching shoe hat glove ensembles that like, I mean, I guess, I'm sure, I'm sure they do source a lot of vintage, like really well kept up vintage, but I'm sure most of it is handmade for her. I think the biggest like, so we're going to go into talking about the pilot, but for me, the biggest... We'll get there eventually. Kind of... Well, this is a little bit pilot -esque. Oh, okay, perfect. Um, Segway. The casting of the show. It was a little bit of a mindfuck to me personally that Rachel Brosnahan was Maisel and also the prostitute from House of Cards. <laughs> that Rachel that was around for like... That <laughs> so somehow long. She was around once I stopped watching oh, that same. show. They would um, not let her go. And that she's like not very old. Like she's in no. her early 30s. Yeah. But like whenever it clicked to me that she was the prostitute, I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like how... Like I yeah. could not... My brain like was very confused she was also in a random episode of gossip girl like basically as an extra with one line <laughs> yeah which makes sense to me i think she was like living in new york yeah 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 all right so so what do you give the pilot of the marvelous mrs Maisel? 
I give it a 10 out of 10. I think it laid out the story really well. We got we get a lot of context, a lot of backstory. Of course, the costumes and the set are amazing. And we really get a full picture of her life, which I know sometimes you don't like as much because it makes zero work for us. But I just thought it was nice. You understood what you're getting yourself into. And it just is the entire pilot. Like, it's such a pilot pitch. You get to the end and you're like, well, I know exactly where the fuck this show is going. Like, let's, here's the train, toot toot, like everyone climb aboard. aboard. Yeah, all aboard. I actually think that the pilot, they released it on Amazon and then they didn't do season, episodes two through 10, I guess, or I think there's 10 episodes, um, until December. Oh. So, like, they released the first episode before Thanksgiving and then the entire, so, like, we, there was, because that's when Amazon was doing those, like, I think I've talked about this on the pod before, but like those random, like, do you like this show? Like if we get mm-hmm. enough people to view it, we might pick it up to series. Oh. I don't necessarily think oh. Maisel was in that category because okay. Amy and Dan had had such a great right. reputation. It's almost insulting to make them do that. Yeah. But so I think <laughs> that they, they did drop one episode and then we had to wait a month. Okay. So it was set on the anticipation that like everybody was coming back and it really did it. tell a story. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. Um, Cause I also gave it a 10 out of 10. Okay. So it is, um, I just thought it's really, really, really fucking good. Yes. Um, so tight. Love everything about it. Yeah. It's a great depiction of every character and explains the world to you, similarly to what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, like Midge on the subway, drunk, in her <laughs> nightgown, soaking wet, holding a bottle of wine was oh iconic. And I was sold and she hadn't even done stand up yet. <laughs> yeah, she was. Like that was when way. I was like fully, like I was like, oh shit, this is my jam. And then she did the stand up. I was like hysterically laughing. Yes. So we're not going to be able to tell every joke or it will no. just be us I mean, retelling comedy. the, we would just be doing men just stand up. Yeah. But so what are, it. what are some that <laughs> kind of stick way. out to you that you want to, that you sure. wanna, that you want to talk I've about? I've got a couple little snippets. Well, we all know that her, her funniest moments are her like quote unquote unscripted rants, right? Like mm-hmm, when she mm-hmm. just gets up, which we see a little bit more of in the beginning. Once we get to like really season three, clearly it's material that she's worked on. Um, which is like an interesting arc, you know what I mean? Like we see her, we see her performing uh, like paid gigs on stage, and we're like, well, we know she's not fucking riffing, like right. But I think that's she's true. Like workshop this, and now here we are. We're getting to see it for the first time along with the audience, right? And I think that that's true to a lot of not stand up comics. Like I would, I could never be a stand up comic. No, but there is something I think to people being like, you're really funny when you just like go on a right. rant, mm-hmm. and then when you actually have to like put pen to paper and like right, we're, we're schedule right. it out. Like I really enjoyed the fact that like. They had her bomb in season one, yep, which I know you didn't like the cringe, but like yeah. it would I mean, be it had, had to happen. It just made me, the stress of it made me not want to turn the show back on again. Yeah. It, it was, they had to do it for the show. But, okay, so we'll go. She couldn't some, just be good for the whole time. That's that what, would yeah, be yeah. unrealistic. Which okay. would, would be fun for us to watch, I know. but <laughs> unrealistic and probably not as much character. Um, so I have this little snip from season one, episode four, <laughs> where uh, Midge says, so this is what you were missing, Joel? Pot roast and Santa Claus? <laughs> she I, says about Joel's, uh, he, he leaves her for his secretary and she's Christian. I have that. <laughs> I can't remember where I wrote it. Um, wait, hold on. Basically when she's like, you left me for the Methodist version. <laughs> Oh my god. Like you wanted yeah, we can cut this off, but that's yeah. Okay. Um and then um this is the only like clip from I did I oh I okay, we'll play a clip of 
part of one of her rants from season two where she actually ends up getting in trouble after the fact, but goes after the male comedians in the club. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So. I love anytime Midge takes down like an audience member. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's one in I think it's in the pilot where, and I don't know if you're saying this, but like it's it's not my notes. But when she's like, I've all like I'm not naive. I know that men like like dumb girls, mm-hmm. and the guy's like, what? Oh yeah yeah. yeah. And then she's she, like, well you know, and <laughs> points the, the people right in front. <laughs> yeah, and the girl and she was the girl said she said something. The girl and the girl was like, huh? And she's like, you two are made for each other. <laughs> Um, so then in season three, another little snippet of one of her performances when they're in Vegas is she's talking about, she's like, quote unquote, educating the crowd on, she's like, well, I'm from New York and I'm Jewish. I don't know if we're, you know, our culture is familiar to you guys out here in the West, but I'm here to, you know, educate you on my people. Mm-hmm. And part of the thing is uh, one of the points she's t- mentions is complaining. Yes. <laughs> and she says, at the end of it, she says, you're not trying to fix anything. You're just trying to be heard. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, that's literally, anytime I complain about anything, that's how I feel. Um, then there's a bit of Midge's mom thinking being a comedian is the same as being a prostitute. I have that one on my list. So it's funny. so fucking funny. Um, just the entire season three of the in-laws living together was great gold. It was a great B plot all the way. Yes. Through. It was amazing. Even just Joel's parents being rich enough to have this giant mm-hmm. house in Queens was hilarious. And also them being the trash of their neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And also Joel's parents were fucking hilarious. Um, Moish being obnoxious. Mm-hmm. And Shirley wearing that fur coat the entire time they were at summer camp and in, in the Catskills up at their little summer camp that they go to was amazing. Um, this was a very small background thing, but speaking of the Catskills, the PA system announcements were always funny. Yeah. That would kind of just be on in the background. Like they were really rarely ever actually had anything to do with the scene or the plot characters or anything, but it was always fucking hilarious. Like, Mrs. Rhodes, your husband is going to leave in five minutes. <laughs> and then, like, later on in the same scene, it'd be like, Mrs. Rhodes, your husband will be waiting five more minutes, but <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so great. <laughs> and then last, I just have Midge's sister-in-law, Astrid. Hi, Willa. Um, Shout out to Willa from, from Succession, who we love. Mm-hmm. She plays an equally endearing try hard try hard character in a different way this time by being like the perfect wife who converts to judaism and like just the her trying to be the best jewish person in the room all the time because but she thinks she like she's not trying to out jewish anybody Uh uh-huh she just thinks that's how it is like she thinks she's one of them by saying all these things and like acting in ways that are like, well, of course we must do this and that. And everyone else is like, oh no, what the fuck? We don't really do that or whatever. And so that reoccurring gag is always funny to me because she, I mean, like you feel for her, right? Because right. she's just trying to fit in. She converted because she loves her husband so much and wants his, to be part of the family. Like you totally get it. But the way she goes about it is just so 
desperate. <laughs> well, and something that she doesn't see because she's fictional and in the show is that um, the Maisel family is exhausted by everyone. Like yeah. no one except for like Midge really gives anybody else the time of day. Like Abe's always, like, they like all rush the other person to be done with whatever they're doing. Like, uh -huh. They're not a calm family by no. any means. So I think Astrid feels like it's directly pointed at her a lot of the times yeah, because her. she is, you know what I mean? So yeah. like, that's like an extra layer of funny where it's like, just because they don't fight and with me, like with Midge in front of Astrid, she assumes that it doesn't happen. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Type of thing where it's like, they're all exhausted by the other ones, which I think is For part sure. of their like shtick. Yeah. Which um, I enjoy. Yeah. I, I watched a scene where, where Midge gets a ride back to the Catskills from her brother and I almost call it her Willa Astrid. Um, and, Astrid has this, they write her character in a way that we shouldn't be laughing, but like, she's just so pathetic that we are. <laughs> and so this car ride, it, you find, we find out that Astrid's having, maybe we already knew that. I can't remember now, but she's having problems getting pregnant, Uh huh. but like, and it's sad, but like the way she delivers her lines are so like. She's going to say the fact, but then totally glaze over it as if it's not a big deal and, like, nobody cares. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, she does that a lot. And it's also really, yeah, I don't know. Like, we shouldn't be laughing, but, like, the way she talked. And, like, her the potion she got from Chinatown to, like, put up her, like, VJ for, like, fertility purposes and how bad it smells. Like, just, like, the whole thing is just... I think what I what I found also just interesting about Astrid as an act as a character is seeing her as Willa on Succession and being mm -hmm. like, oh, she's a really good actress. Like, yeah. in real life, she's able to like have these two levels of extreme that is uh, hard to come by. Yeah, um, that's it for me. What do you have? So I have someone I was just reading through and being like, oh, I just wrote out bits of her stand up that I thought was funny that I guess I'll read again. Yeah. Um. So my first one is. Um, all the, so she's sitting in the cab, leaving Joel's show that like his first show, which like mm -hmm. went fine. Like it wasn't, yeah. when he it was wasn't a bomb. Using it, he bombed the other the, comedians lines. Yes. Yeah. He didn't bomb, but he also wasn't doing his own material. And she's sitting in the back of the cab and she says, all that applause for me. What am I putting out after one standing ovation? Everyone goes home pregnant. And she like writes down it, uh -huh. like writes it all down. And yeah. like how casually she says that in the back of the cab <laughs> to herself That's when you're like, <laughs> Oh, she's the funnier person in this yes. marriage. Yes, yes, yes. Like, yes. that was our little window into mm -hmm. that. That um, was the foreshadowing. Her entire going to bed routine. Like, going to bed. Oh, my God. I think about this all the time. <laughs> putting, like, taking all of her makeup off, getting back well, in bed. like waiting. Waiting till he was asleep. Till he's asleep. Getting up, recurling her hair, doing that whole thing. The, like, leaving the blind open. of an inch of the blind. Yes. And then him being like, you didn't wake up. Like, the <laughs> alarm like, went oh, off. oh, you never do. Didn't he hear it? And then I even like that they do a callback to it when they sleep together later on. And he's yes. like, what are these things in your, <laughs> from her corset? Uh -huh. Or it would be a or girdle, I guess. Yeah. Whatever. And he's like, what is this? And she's like, oh, like, this is what happens after. Like, is uh -huh. the first time that they've ever had sex in a way that 
Yes. Was, she didn't do all that. She didn't. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. she wasn't prepared for sex. They just had sex. Um, so I kind of like that that, and I, I mean, I think it's probably very true to the time. Yeah. This is a little thing that I think both of us agree with, but she's talking to Lenny Bruce in Miami in season three. Mm-hmm. And she's like, how was my set? And he's like, there's no pleasantries. Like, you don't want to know. Like, usually you have to butter people up, whatever. And she says, life's short. Talk about me. <laughs> I felt that. <laughs> um <laughs> I love that someone in the audience in one of her stand-up routines yells, you're a dumb bitch. And her reaction is, who told you? Who told you? Yeah, that's amazing. Um, she another, can work a crowd. Yeah, another one of her, I have two more back-to-back uh, stand-up quotes and then just one scene. But she says, comedy is fueled by disappointment and humiliation. Who the hell does that describe more than a woman? <laughs> <laughs> like, why wouldn't we figure that out? Right, yeah. And then she's talking about how another part of her stand-up is she's talking about how it's really hard to be a woman at the time because, a little bit now, because when you fail, you don't always get another shot. Yeah. You just fail. And so she says, when men fail, you give it, a, you say, you gave it the old college try. But when women fail, they say, you gave it the old college try, but you shouldn't be in college. <laughs> I think about that Yikes, a lot. Yeah. Um, and then there's one more little joke. Um, so when Joel's leaving her in the first episode, she says, you're leaving me for a girl who can't sharpen pencils because <laughs> his secretary can't sharpen pencils. Uh-huh. And so then... That he's talking, whatever, and she's like, "Go on, get out, grab some pens on your way out. You're gonna need this. Like <laughs> yeah. you're gonna need them." Whenever I first watched oh the show, God. that was the line that I used to tell people they would like Maisel. Like that <laughs> yeah. was the the quote that I used the most. So that, and then I have one more. Oh, sorry, I forgot that. I also love that when Joel buys his club, there's actually a gambling ring in the basement. Yes. That was fucking hilarious. Amazing. <laughs> and it like just spoiled, like I have that in my little B plot area because it was just so smart to give Joel something outside of Moish. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he had worshiped sure. the dress thing. He didn't need to. And I will talk about this a little bit more in our next, in our heartbreak scene. But when Benjamin comes to confront Midge in, sorry, in the third season, in the season finale. Yeah. And he's yelling and he says, when you're tall, you can't get mad. You can't pace around and wave your arms in the air and raise your voice because people get scared. I look like an angry building. (laughs) And then when she's talking about why their relationship wouldn't work, it reminded me a little bit of like a normal people moment because um, she's like, you know, my marriage with Joel didn't work. And he's like, I'm not Joel. Mm -hmm. I've got two feet on the guy alone. (laughs) I know. That was so funny. (laughs) So those are just all and our, correct. Yeah. Joel is really short. I know. Um, so, so so those are some of our our favorite quotes that stuck out to us from the mm-hmm. show. Um, I wouldn't actually say this is an overall sad show. No. There aren't a whole lot of scenes that kind of tug at your heartstrings. What was the one that you pulled for this episode? Well, I actually used that same scene. Oh, <laughs> perfect. You can talk about talking the sad about. Um, yeah. So I mean. Um, Benjamin confronting Midge, I didn't know when, when, at the end of two, when Shy Baldwin calls her and she gets, says yes to going on tour and her mom's like, okay, so like, what about your engagement? And she's like, oh, right. We never see Benjamin again. And right. I kind of thought we were just never going to. I'm like, okay. They had Zachary Levi on the payroll for this season and like Ariva Dare to him. Which he's so hot. Yes. <laughs> and we'll talk about him and then the later in the next or in a couple sections. But 
Um, I thought we were going to never see him again. So right. then when her mom goes and like starts accosting him at the hospital to like set him up, like she's trying to, she's, um, she wants to be a, what, what are they using Goldberg's? A yenta. She's trying to yenta him. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like yeah. Benjamin's back. And it was so late in the fucking season. Like that didn't happen to like the back half. So yeah. I was like, what is happening here? I couldn't figure out how his plot, which was not a plot. And like, really her mom's like random yenta-ing. I just didn't really understand what the fuck was going to, like, I just didn't understand what was going on with that. So when he obviously, and I can't believe it even took him this long to Rightfully. blow the lid. Oh my God. Yeah. Her mom was batshit to do that. Yeah. So when he finally shows up at the diner and blows up at her, it was like cathartic. I'm like, correct, Benjamin. Like, yes, because we also never really got an explanation about what happened. I liked that he started out. Sorry, I don't mean to hijack yours, but I liked that he started out with like, you wrote me a Dear John letter because then we <laughs> at least knew how they broke up. So it wasn't right. that we missed a scene. No. She literally just wrote him a letter. And was like, deuces. And that was it. So yeah. it was nice to get the confirmation that we didn't. Yes, that, that we they, didn't miss anything. Right, right. That that was always the, the plot plan. I agree. But so, and like you said, the little funny moment about him yeah. yelling and being a, an angry building like there was like obviously lightness but they after that happens they sit down she's like okay like can we sit down and so they sit down and she is like you're right like I do owe you an explanation um I got that call from Shai Baldwin and I knew like it like you said it like tore apart my marriage and you know so I knew it was like this was this is my life I made my decision and like this was it like I was gonna be alone forever basically and he's like okay He's like, how did you know it was going to be a problem? Well, right. She, well, because she, she was like, she was like, well, I just knew it was going to be a problem for us. And he was like, how did you know it was going to be a problem? And she's like, well, because it was a problem with Joel. And he was like, I'm not Joel. Yeah. And that's when he says, uh, two foot, I have two feet on him. And she's like, well, you, like she doesn't, she does not give up. She's like, I talk about my life. Like I talk about my life in a comedic way in front of like hundreds of strangers. I talk about my kids. I talk about my, my love husband. life. Yeah, I yeah. talk about my family. Like you know, everything's on the table and I just knew that'd be a problem. And he was like, again, how do you yeah, know you never, you asked. never asked? And that's when you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Like Midge is in the wrong. Like yeah. this was the beginning, I think, of her downfall, which was what this finale ended up being. Yeah. But this was like a little like shatter of Midge fucked up here. And not, I mean, we knew that she, I mean, I couldn't believe she just like bailed on Benjamin, but like whatever, but she really did it in a shitty way. And she did it in a self-centered way. And she did not take into account his feelings at all. And she didn't even give him the chance, I think is what yeah. was really tough was like, she didn't even give him the option to say yes or no. So thoughts was my heartbreak scene. So I had two heartbreak scenes and that was the second okay. one. So I do have just a little bit more to add that. Okay. Um, so basically everything you just said, like is very close to what I wrote down, but it's when she, the part that like really broke me was whenever she was like, I would have been on the road a lot. We would have been separate a lot. And he, mm -hmm. and, and like, also like I've loved Zachary Levi Chuck. Like I was obsessed with right. him, but his delivery of like, and the coming back together would have been sensational. <sighs> And I then know. there's like a beat and, and he she's like, like you can hear, you can see it. See she's her, like, fuck. And then he looks at her <laughs> and is like, you broke my heart, Miriam. Yeah. It's like, uh, like you just broke my heart, Zach. No, <laughs> I, I love know, you. I know, I know. Um, but my heartbreak scene 
is actually from that same episode, A Jewish Girl Walks Into the Apollo, which is just overall a very sad episode. Yeah, like, it's a bummer. Um, but whenever I was prepping for this, I was like, I don't remember being sad ever. Like, I remember being, mm-hmm. like, bummed or cringe or yeah. wanting her to succeed, but sad. And so the one that I that stuck with me was when Susie goes to Joel and asks him for help. Oh, my God. Because right. the this brutal. Oh series... My God. Joel and Susie haven't gotten along. It's the most no. consistent thing on the show. And like one of my personal They favorites. both think the other one is like so fucking stupid. Yeah, I mean. And bad for Midge. Like they both think the other one's. Well, you, and like for, in Susie's defense, I guess, you side with your friend and to. Oh, for sure. <laughs> to Susie, Joel is always just going to be the guy who cheated on her. Yep. So when she goes to ask him to help her with Midge's money, you know it kills her to have to ask Joel of all people. Right. And when Joel asks why and she yells, because you love her, you'll always be in Mm. love with her and won't let anything bad happen to her. Yep. Like, my heart just broke at the fact that Susie had to be so vulnerable with Mm -hmm. Joel to put and show, like, she really did show how much her relationship with Midge meant to her in going to Joel because... I mean, Joel points, points out, he's like, Shy Baldwin has accountants. There's accountants you can hire. Like, there's right. why me? Like, yeah, his yeah, yeah. desperation, too, is is hard. And I do think it's a little bit of a funny moment. But, like, it's, it's funny in the delivery and the fact that it's a comedy. But sad yeah. if you take it out of the No, thing. I mean, it was sad even. I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure Susie was, like, near tears. Yeah, well, when she says, like, you love her, like, that's why yeah. I'm doing it. And she's like, I'll tell Midge. Like that's that's how that like sentence end ended, and he's like, "You're gonna tell Midge that I'm in love with her," and Susie says, "No, everybody knows that. I'm gonna uh, tell right. her about the. Mu- I'm gonna tell her that you're handling your finances." Right, right. And it's in Joel's face, like I. It's like not sad. It's not like t- necessarily sad, but it is sad for him to be so in love with her and everybody uh-huh. to know. Like Midge knows, everybody knows, but like for whatever reason, they can't make their yeah. way back to each other. So that was just like an extra layer of sad. Right. Yeah. On top of the fact that like Susie loves Midge so much that she doesn't trust her mm-hmm. herself with Midge's right. money. Like she set her mom's house on fire right. to give her back her money. So that was my heartbreak scene or vulnerable scene or, or whatever. whatever. Yeah. Um, so when, what was your turning point scene? Oh, my turning point scene was in the pilot when Midge did her little stand up. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Mine was also in the pilot Ooh. when she says, who gives a toast at her own wedding? I do. I do. Like that's yes. how quickly I was in on the I show. I think about that a lot. Yeah. I also like the juxtaposition and like they do a really good job in the pilot um, of explaining her and Joel's like making Midge fun. Yeah. Because when she's giving the toast and she's like, he took me to the most expensive art rooms and it's like a burlesque show. Yes. So you're like, oh, they're a fun couple. Yeah. You know? And exactly. so I was really sold on the show. Yeah, that was cute. In that toast. But, okay. So, Soph, what are some of your best or worst B-plot moments, ships, any storylines that you think deserve a call out or um, a takedown? Sure. So I lo- I've I mentioned it already, but. So I love anytime they are in the Catskills mm-hmm. just because it's fun to see them out of the city. All of the summer camp stuff is so funny to me and ridiculous. Yeah, and it was the perfect place for Abe to see Midge do stand up. I agree, yeah. Like out of a little out of context and um, that was just like a really fun thing that the show did. I, I love whenever they go out there. I also loved Paris. That was really fun. Um, when they go, when, <laughs> when Mitch's mom leaves and, um, Midge comes back 
and her dad and she's like where's mom and her dad's like oh I don't know <laughs> yeah and she's like what do you mean you don't know all of her clothes are gone and he's like what <laughs> I have that written down. I just love the dynamic between the two of them when she was to Paris and he's like, what? Wait, what? Right. Like the dynamic between Rose and Abe is like, like what do you mean you're in Paris? But overall funny when he's like, we have to go back to our real life. And she's like, this is, sometimes she's like delusional. Yeah, like I know for I'm sure. Sometimes I'm not sure if she's like fully oh my God. on the same planet I as the rest of the Maisels. I just about the whole Oklahoma thing. When she goes to oh get God, her trust that fund. That was so funny. Although that. And then it didn't work out. Okay. Okay. I did like that they explained why the Maisels had so much money. I like that made sense to me because like on a teacher's salary in 1959, even if he's tenured, their apartment's huge. So knowing well, that she had a trust the fund. The school pays, pays for their apartment. Right. But like their clothes and um, midges lifestyle. Right. The girls lifestyle. Well, yeah. Like single family income. Um, I liked the Oklahoma episode until she refused the trust her fund. trust because I was like, that would not fucking happen. Right. But in what? terms of. He, Abe had already quit. In terms of storytelling, we needed them to move in with Moish. We needed them to move sure. in, but I was like, what? Like, I, or I thought she was going to, like, fight for her place on the board, which maybe we'll get more of that in four. That mm-hmm. would be fun um, because, like, as much as I loved seeing them in the House of the In-Laws, and I did, I don't, like, part of the fun of the show is the opulence. Like, right. I don't want to see the Maisels... I have a feeling that if we see them poor, it will only be like temporarily temporarily poor. Yeah, because um, even well, because also Midge has no money. Right, right, right. And uh, we're the only yeah the Maisels fam- like the Maisels right. have money, but not the right, right, right. I can't think of what Wise Wiselman, um, Wiselman, Sure. I think that's right. Uh, Whatever. Something we, we never do on podcast prep. We like watch the shows. We do all this stuff. And then we yeah. just like don't look at character names forget, or how to say them. Forget that. <laughs> like, um, but anyway, whatever. So I, the season one, I like plots and everything was great. Season two was just beautiful. Like the way they moved us around outside of New York. And then three, in my opinion, only had like very high highs and very low lows for Midge. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were, it's for some reason, it felt like there was a ton of plot holes. The deeper this show gets like her mom, not taking, like not figuring out how to get, not only did she not get any more money, but she cut herself off. Well, like just that kind of thing happened repeatedly where I would be like, is this? So I watched, what? I watched an interview. This is not my own okay. process, but where they were talking about how midges, desire to go after stand up and blindly f- like fate like blind fate that she'll uh-huh. make it has inspired everybody in her life in a different way like oh. um and the way that it's inspired rose is that she's like worth more than right that. so like she wants to make her way in the world and i think that's why she like started doing the matchmaking thing uh-huh. because she just wanted to have something that was hers uh-huh. and until midge blindly went after stand up she like, didn't know she was worth it so i think that rose oh. might have just overcorrected yeah. Which, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I agree that it was frustrating, but it just, I... It just seemed like, in general, there was, like, more plot holes. Yeah. In three. Um, but... Uh, I loved her and Lenny Bruce's friendship. Um, although, it did t- kind of take a turn at the end. Though they never hooked up, right? I would I would die. I want them they to hook didn't. up so bad. Oh, really? I wrote that I just don't think if I really need more. I love, I love a steady, platonic friendship their chemistry is just so 
fucking yeah. I don't want them to date. Like, I'm not uh, saying I want them to, like, get married or date or anything. But if they hook up, would that not, like, ruin the thing they have? I don't know. I mean, the show is based on Joan Rivers. Right. So, I do loosely. think. Loosely. Very loosely. Um, but I do think that having a fling with someone, like, just kind of an ongoing it could thing. be funny. Could be funny. But the problem they is. They just have so much chemistry. Like, yeah, it's electric. Yeah, the actors have really good good chemistry. But part of the reason I don't necessarily want her to be with Lenny, Lenny is that I want her to be with Benjamin. See, I want her to be with Joel. So I cannot believe that she left Benjamin. <laughs> it makes. You're like, you have a guy who's 6'4 who loves you and is a doctor. It makes no fucking sense. <laughs> she is a single mom. Basically unemployed. I mean, she works at the makeup counter, but Doesn't she's... she work at the call center because of... What? Didn't she get moved from the makeup center to the call center because But, of, like, she's, a, she's she in works the at department the company. store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but for her to turn this down made... Especially in, like, what, 1950-something? Made not one shred of sense... Especially because she actually liked him. I think that where it's, where I go with it is she's doing it in a way that's like, he thinks that he wants her to do this. Like, mm-hmm. but in reality, he would want her to be a, a wife and she wants to be able to go on tour. So oh I think God, that's why she, it was just bad timing. Like she even says in that conversation that they have at the season three finale, like I, when I said yes to your proposal, I was done with stand up. I couldn't do it anymore. I thought right. it was going to be something like a bowling league that I could do once or twice a month and be happy with it, but it's just not. And like, you can't, I think that Benjamin is someone who wants a hundred percent of someone or fit, you know what I mean? Like he wants a relationship. But, but, I mean, but that's not what he told her. I know, but like I just, he said it, he was like, I know. it would have been fine. Yeah. I just, I get where she's she, coming from. She just I don't agree with it. I just get where she's coming from. She just didn't give him a chance. And maybe that's even just the fact that she didn't even give him a chance seemed insane to me. Like, if you had, he has a fucking townhouse. Like, you would, I just think, it, I know that we're supposed to suspend belief about a lot of this stuff, but the problem is they also really want us to buy into the 1950 of it all. So to having them pick and choose makes it confusing as a, from the viewer's perspective on what we actually, like, do we really believe her when she's leaving him? Do we really believe her when she's, like, getting this accomplishment? Like, if it is really on merit or because she has a skirt on, like, you know what I mean? It just, I, it's just confusing. I think, though, if Midge were to settle down with anybody, it would be Joel. Like, I don't think I she don't would want them to get over. back together. I why do you want them to get back together? I don't care if you don't want them to no, get back together. No, I know, but like, saying, I think, I'm saying I don't understand why do you want them to get back together? Tell me. Because I don't get it. I think they have great chemistry. They love each other. They know how to speak to each other. I think the respect that he lost in season one was built back over time. I think they did a really good job in showing that they're friends. Like, even when he shows up at divorce court with her. Well, sure. Like, the, the dynamic between the two of them, I just think, is really interesting and cool. And they love each other. And... I just am a fan. I love Benjamin. I will be but happy with she's with any of them. Do you think that he's ever going to get over the fact that she talks about their sex life on stage? I don't think they'll ever actually get together. That's the that's what I'm saying is I think that they will always love each other and I don't think she will ever get married. Again? Like, no, I don't think that a, okay, a steady Okay, how did you feel about the fact that they got drunk and got married again in Vegas in season two? That made me two. just laugh. I just enjoyed the storyline in I, season three because they got oh, divorced. That, that was in three? And oh, then right. two yeah, episodes later, they got married i just thought it was funny and showed to me that like 
they still have this compatibility and I don't necessarily know if it's for marriage. I la- I love that, but I like their them together. I I liked that I was fine with them doing that cuz they still are going to get divorced. Like would have liked well. Like they are. Theoretically. When she said my soon to be ex-husband again, like they're sure, planning it. But they're also like dragging it out. Like the plot is dragging, like a story arc. I think I just I just didn't was wanna... fine with this. I I just wish it would have been the scare. Like I wish it would have been them in pictures in a Vegas wedding booth, but like no papers were signed because I was just like, what the fuck? Like we just went through the the entire season two was their divorce, and yet here we are, like literally whiplash back again with they're married again, and I don't, I just don't know. I can, why the fuck else would they do that if they wouldn't have, if this second time around, they're going to make that marriage stick again? They're not going to make it stick again. Why? Then why did they do it? For the just comedic storytelling of then showing- Then they would have wrapped it up though. Like it happened early in the season. It happened in episode five. There were eight episodes and six, seven, and eight were her on tour with Shy and him opening the club and dating May. So I just don't think they wanted to waste any time getting divorced. I just genuinely I mean, don't think they had enough story for it. But they could have just- like when she said that, when he opened it, like when she opened the thing, I mean, time is a flat circle. She could have said my ex-husband for the second time. And then all of us as viewers would have been like, oh, guess the divorce proceedings went through. Like, you know what I mean? Like it didn't need to be a whole thing. Yeah. I just don't think. Especially since we saw it the first time. I just don't think it's like, I don't think it's a marriage. They just might never get divorced. Like they might just stay in this weird open marriage of like, they're not dating. They're legally married, but like that doesn't mean anything because he's, paying for the kid's school he gives her alimony like he's they they have like a healthy uh, non-healthy dependency on the other one but um i thought it was funny it didn't bother me and i, I just, just didn't it just I, felt like i just think it's like in one of those i did not love season three i loved season three Ugh, it felt like we were just trapped um i did like joel's new girlfriend though may I love They're May. still dating. You don't she have to say past fun. tense. <laughs> no, she's, we all know she's past tense. I wouldn't even be surprised if she didn't even make it to season four. Um, Susie's gambling problem was a slow moving train wreck that I felt was like, this is in my, uh, I guess, B plots that I didn't care for. Although again, like I understand why they did it. So that, you know, Midge had a total like shit storm upon her at the end but the slow, like, lingering nature of the way they wove it into the third season, to me, just felt like a dark shadow underneath the entire season. Because you knew there was, like, you, this is not going to end. Like, nobody introduces a gambling uh, subplot for it to end well, right? Yeah, I did love, though, that, like, her whole B-plot with the, like, mobsters that she it, had to deal oh, with. Yeah, that the guys who so end up being funny. her friends. Yeah, that, was, that, that turned out well. That was well. funny. Yeah, I, that was cute. Yeah, that was fun. Um, when she was kidnapped and like, they like treated her to dinner and stuff. It was so funny. And then, um, actually, yeah, that's it. I, we already talked about the mood shift and the fact that the show blows up her life at the end of three with all these crushing disappointments professionally and the fact that we know she has no money, although she doesn't know that yet. And then Imogene blowing up her own life. So that's what I'm saying. I think all of these women were like, wait we can do our own thing if we want. Like Midge kind of like opened their eyes to this other yeah. part of the world. And no, I, I see what you're saying. I do think communication could help. Like, hey, Archie, I think I want to get a job. 
I, um, so after I watched season three, which of course I watched it like in like March or April, way after it had come out. So nobody else was on my wavelength and had seen it recently and wanted to talk about this. And, and a lot of people, in fact, didn't even remember this imaging scene in the finale of them walking in Central Park and having sort of a, well, Midge is like, please let Archie come back. Like he really like once he misses you, he wants his family back, like blah, blah, blah. And Imogene is like, no, no, no. And she, Mitch is like, no, like, come on. Like he's for real. And then, which is sad because we saw him. He really wasn't doing anything bad. I will say I did love Archie's entire B plot where anytime anyone, male, female worker, anybody said Archie, he said, I'm married. <laughs> Yes, that was Joel hilarious. was like Archie. And he was like, "I'm married." And he was like, "I know. I need your help." Like the sound is out. <laughs> oh my god, like, that was um, just a funny. But when Midge, when Midge was like, "If I had someone," like she basically was like, "Don't do what I did." Yeah, yeah like yeah. don't blow up your life. And then, like the next scene is, you know, crowded New York sidewalk and Imogene walking, like marching into the uh, secretary and executive assistant school. Mm-hmm. So some people that I talked to were like, okay, I don't remember that at all, but I don't want Imogene to be in four because I don't like her. I have no opinions about Imogene except for, I just was like, okay, guess we're going to get a lot of her in four. You know, it was sort of weird because she, I feel like she wasn't hardly in very many episodes in this season in three at all. Yeah. I like Imogene because I think it's important for I like constantly forget about Midge them to have friends. friends. Yeah. Like I just enjoy that, but I have neutral feelings about her. Yeah. Same. But it was interesting that they were like, Hey, guess what? <laughs> Get prepared for Imogene. <laughs> like, yeah. She's coming through. Or maybe it's not. Maybe that's just like, and we'll hear Imogene like yeah. went off and got a secretarial job and we don't see I her. I mean, It'll that's be interesting. true. Much like Benjamin, maybe we'll just be like, all right. Pop back in bye. at the end of the season and just see what <laughs> <Yeah>. she's <laughs> Yell at Midge in a diner. Um, okay. Uh, that's all I have. What do you have? All right. So I have one that I didn't write down, so I'm going to say it really quick. Um, do you remember in one of the episodes when her she did like sort of stand up at a, like a house party and like yes. her and the guy like decided to do like a twosome and yes. they would like do that i really enjoyed that b plot like i just thought it was fun I, to see her honing her craft and that was really in those fun settings and not on stage so i don't remember how it turned out um though. as you guys will hopefully everyone listening will have already listened to our pitch episode about the dick van dyke show but this like 1950s 60s house party where like adults only, but like would sit around in little couches and things. And there would be little, like basically um, variety shows, like set, like put mm-hmm. on by your friends. Um, seems to be something, at least that the TV shows lead us to believe actually happened. And it seems fucking fantastic. Like how fun. Why couldn't we do that instead of playing like dumbass flip cup and shit? Like I would much rather go to a house party and like see a variety show or like be a part of one. Like right, be a part of one, get up and do like do a little reading. I mean, I definitely, you do. I do. (laughs) I force everyone. I'm the queen of the party, especially if I've had too much to drink and we'll force people to do all kinds of things. Um, mainly listen to me, but sometimes you do a good dramatic reading. I love a monologue. Yes, so we'll, we'll find funny so, things on the internet and make you mm-hmm. dramatically read them. I do love a monologue. My favorite one is 
the DG DG letter from 2013. Um, it's great. Look it up if you if you it. are unfamiliar. Actually, if you're unfamiliar, give me a call. <laughs> I will read it to you. <laughs> it is one of my ba- biggest joys in life. But um, anyway, all that to say, I know these little parties yeah, look so fun. Yeah, it so fun. And it was such a, a cool way to see Mitch. Her casual. It, casual and yeah. also interacting with people like that weren't her family, that weren't mm-hmm. her work friends and that weren't other moms. Like it was just it a had different. had like no expectations. Yeah, it, yeah. And this was pre like Shy Baldwin and like seeing right, her right. interact with those people. But yeah, that okay, was fun. Now I'm going to go to my official list. All right. Midge and Joel briefly getting back in season one and like everyone's reaction to it. <laughs> yeah. Mainly Penny coming in and yelling at her about being a tramp for sleeping with her own husband. <laughs> oh my God. That was so funny. I like screamed at her in the middle of the department yeah, store. Yeah. Like that one was great. <laughs> um, we already have talked about Abro, Shirley and Moish all living together. <laughs> Susie making Midge's like random thing that on tour, just yellow teddy bears. Oh yeah. That was so funny. It was funny. She's and like, I, I know what to say. <laughs> yeah. She was like, we have to have a thing. And so I just did this, but like you notice what I noticed when I was rewatching it, like random times where Midge would be like, I just want a teddy bear. Like, you know what I mean? Like she, yeah. she, um, it became her thing. I think, uh-huh. um, the complicated friendship slash relationship of shy and Reggie, like it's definitely implied yeah. there's something more, but it's the sixties and uh-huh. so, or 59. But I just thought that was a really smart mm-hmm. story for them. It also shifted some of the drama off of all of the other people. Yeah. Um, and, but this is probably this end of season three is whenever I was like, I have had a lot of Sterling K Brown on my TV. Mm-hmm. I had, I had, had I was like, he was on Brooklyn nine, nine. I watched this is us. And then this, and I was like, okay, here's the deal. <laughs> Sterling. I'm not going to like Anne Hathaway you and like Hathaway, Hathahate or like Catherine Heigl you because sure. you're a man and we only treat women that way. But like, Correct. I need a break from you. I need you to take mm-hmm. a J law break and just be out of my <laughs> thing for just a second. Like I just needed to go like, just need like a couple shows. Yeah. Just like a couple me, years, maybe <laughs> give me a show. You don't pop up on like, I yeah, please. am so proud and because of him. His character. He's always so intense. Yes. It's his, it's his. Yeah. Like I think he's a great actor and oh, every yeah, award phenomenal. he's deserved and mm-hmm. love him. But like, this past season of This Is Us, I know you don't watch it anymore, but like Randall's character was just really rough. And so I then mean, that's his whole character. <laughs> that going straight. It was like the Randall show though. Like it was like um, really, really heavy on Randall. Yikes. So that going directly into this, I was like, fuck. Um, so Joel opening up the club in season three. Loved, that was brilliant. Love that. It was that. just such a good. Good. Gave him a purpose. Gave him his own thing. And I was glad to see him get out of the dress making yep. work because he obviously hated it like yep. even in the pilot he's and I thought it was funny but in the pilot he was like do you know what I do and she was like you're the vice president uh-huh. and he was like no do you know what I do actually I don't day to day he was right? like I take meetings I take calls and I don't well, know what I do he was not working at the whatever he was working then yeah he was working at some like corporate job yeah but like, so, like finance bro type job yeah giving him something that he loved and also yeah something he actually wanted to do. his origin yeah, yeah, yeah. story was he loved to perform he just wasn't good at it yeah and i think it's like those who can't do teach yeah so yes, it's yes. like really this is giving point. him a platform to yeah. do it um plus he can always like get up on his own little stage and like introduce people like mc he seems like he'd be a better mc than you know yeah the yeah show, yeah you know? I loved, I've already said it, I loved the actual divorce scene in season three with Susie yelling and Midge. And then they're <laughs> yes. like, you're getting divorced from, uh, I just forgot his name, Joel Maisel. Joel. And Joel was like, I'm here. I don't contest this divorce. And he was like, why are you here? If you're, <laughs> He's like, like, I'm here to support. I'm here for moral support. And he's like, you're here for moral support from the woman. And then from he was like, I cheated on her. I cheated on with everybody. And then he, Susie's like, 
yeah, I'm one of them. And he's like, I would grant you two a divorce, like Susie and Midge. But like, like that whole B plot was just <laughs> that, so, that was that such was a seen great was really episode, funny, yeah. which is maybe why they gave us that divorce. And then I don't have a number, whatever. Um, Rose and her matchmaking. I just, it was so funny. And yeah. Rose was a character. Like I didn't like Paris. Like I really didn't oh, okay. like it at all. I thought the scenery was beautiful, but it was yeah. just, I thought Rose was being really irrational and mm-hmm. not in a way that I could support because I was like, you can't just leave your life. Like you're married. Like you can't, you're not, yeah, it was frustrating. She was so to unhappy though. Yeah. It was just like, felt like she was delusional almost. And so giving her the yeah. matchmaking at least made her like have a purpose in yeah. New York. Um, and then just one of the runners that I write is just <laughs> people thinking Susie is a man. And like <laughs> when she decides to lean into it, like when she's at the cast, yeah, cast she uses and she's it like, to works. her advantage. Yes. The plunger. And then when Midge describes, I think it's Midge is the woman who looks like she lives under a bridge. Yeah. When like, she's like, is Susie been like, in Oh here? yeah. Yeah. So, and then in terms of shipping, or I like, love, they'll be like a man is on the phone for you. And she's like, okay. okay. Hey, Susie. Yeah. yeah. She knows. Um, I love the relationship between Midge and Susie. I yeah. think it's really smart. Um, Midge and Lenny, I don't care necessarily what happens with them. I do think they're leaning towards something I agree. physical, yeah. Yeah. which I wouldn't be mad about because, I mean, he's one best supporting actor in a, or best guest, guest actor in a comedy series, air drama series. For this? For this. Mm-hmm. In I mean, he does, I mean, I he's love so, his character every time he's in an episode. And I don't know He does if, such a good job. I don't know if they were written to have this much chemistry as they do or if it's... I doubt These it. actors just yeah, connect. I think they just, yeah. And then I only have two worst B-plots and they have to deal with the same person. Okay. I hate Sophie Lennon. I hate her. Wow, me too. With like a fire, like a fire of a hundred suns. 100%. Well, I don't like I don't Jane, like Jane Lynch. Lynch. That's literally word for word I said. <laughs> I just don't like anything that has to do with Sophie. Maybe I don't like Jane Lynch. And then the second part of that is I really was frustrated that Midge not understanding that Susie needed other clients. Okay. Like that, that was, was so, selfish. so selfish. And like, it makes no sense that she thinks that she can solely fund Susie's lifestyle. Even Cause if like it is. she should, I mean, that's just math, right? Yeah, it like, just like pissed me off. And then the fact that it was, she Sophie still has Lennon. a shitty apartment. Yeah. Like I would love if we never had another Sophie Lennon. We don't need that. Moment. We don't need Jane Lynch to come back. In fact, please don't. Please don't. I don't need to see you again. From our mouths to the writer's ears. Um, I don't need to see you really on anything. Keep on stick your, anything. Stay on your game nights. Do your celebrity game nights. Do whatever ABC. you need as long as I don't have to fucking watch you. Yeah, that whole plot. I mean, the first time around, because she was in season she, one. One. And she, I think she was in all three seasons. Really? God. Because in season two is when she gave gives her that shitty time slot in the episode yeah so in one she made sense i understood they were trying to give us an example of what email comments were having to fucking do to be famous and be liked 100 it was really valid and i was like okay hate jane lynch but like i understand what they're driving home here like also i hate that style of comedy i get it I hate that style of comedy <laughs> and I hated how fucking evil she was Yeah, for no real reason. Like, right, right. you shouldn't be so threatened. You have a fucking pent, like a giant mansion on the Upper East Side. You don't need to, to be like, threatened down. by Midge. Like yeah. it just didn't make any sense. And, and also she kind of a little bit in the way that, um, especially into before the t- telethon episode, the way she goes about ruining, trying to like sabotage Midge, it felt a little bit like Hiram Lodge in the sense that like 
Mitch had no chance. Right, 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 right. There's the playing field was not even. Not even remotely even. Like, Sophie Lennon would make sure Midge's show was tanked before Midge even knew what was happening. That's the thing. She always had, like, five legs up on her. So it was like, what the fuck is even going on here with this? And, like, how is she going to win her? And also, Midge didn't give a shit about her. She's like, well, I mean, she wanted her to stop torpedoing her. But, like... The whole thing was just so one-sided, you know? And they really dragged us through it. Well, and I think it's, like, the most, I mean, not the most, but one of the things that's truly, like, of the times is that women were taught that we're supposed to be in competition. And this is when, really, there were only enough seats at the table and she wasn't going to, like, give a little. Because then with a 2020 lens, you're like, well, there's just different styles of comedy. Yeah. Like, the people who like you are still going to like you. For sure. But that's when you're like, well, they'll they'll stop listening to me completely and Mm -hmm. only listen to her. Like, well, our brains are... Yeah, no, no, that's a good point. What was a little bit hate weird, though, is that I'm kind of surprised they used such an old actress because in real life, I mean, would that, what, 60, 70-year-old... I don't think she's supposed to be that old. I mean, she's gray and wrinkly. But that's, like, her bit. Okay, so, so let's like, say she's 50... Yeah. But would she not be, like, considering retiring soon anyway? I don't think so. I don't know, though. I mean, they could have picked someone a little bit younger to make it seem like a little bit more of a competition for, you know what I mean? Like, you're stealing my, like like you said, because that is totally valid. Um, Although, the only silver lining, which is not worth the amount of shit we had to go through with, with having Jane Lynch on our screen for so long, but the... The we were in- obviously not fans of Glee over here. <laughs> the instigating event of uh, of Midge pissing Sophie off initially, the set that she does where she, like, makes fun of her. Yeah, like, goes off. Was cathartic and fucking amazing. Like, she crushed that night. It was such a good set. <laughs> awesome. I, d- I do feel like we would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that, like, Shy Baldwin's character in season two three was just I think he was really well written and like complicated and like the band was great like it was a really really good I guess in a sense like they're all character b-plots because like yeah Midge was the opener but she was the star and like I love this and she continues to be and I love the scene where she bombs and then she goes into the smaller room and like does a little bit of stand-up to like get back on the horse and like (laughs) yeah kind of do that thing and then shy walks in and shy and Reggie sing together it's just like showing that this is like a little like touring family community and of course I yeah and her cooking for them yeah I loved seeing them on the road and like the other girl on it's Paris Geller from Gilmore Mm -hmm. Girls and Liza Wheel in real life or but I can't remember, I can't what remember her, her name on the show. Is, the show. But when she talks about how, like, if I had a nickel for every time Shy was late or, like, uh-huh. threw a fit or was a diva, then I wouldn't have, have to, to work, work here. Shy. <laughs> Which I was like, I think that's, like, how most jobs are. Like, <laughs> yeah. if I had a nickel for every time, like, X happened, I wouldn't have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so those are all of mine. So do you want to jump right into to stats? Can we take a quick break? Let's take a quick break. All right. Okay, now we're back. So let's go through your highlight stats. All right. I don't know why I just sang song that. I, you know, it's it's late. We're feeling loose. It's fine. <laughs> okay, my favorite character. I actually couldn't pick one. Um, I wanted to pick her dad, but for some reason I felt like he got annoying. Abe. Towards the end. Okay. But I love Abe's character, and I love that he's a different 
kind of dad than we normally see. Um, and he has very specific, like, character quirks that are just so consistent and interesting. And his relationship with Midge is fun to watch, and their dynamic's cool, and I don't I, know. I agree with you that he got a little annoying. Sorry, I don't want to, like, hi- right, I Right, like, but, like, about, when did he get annoying? I don't know, but I will say it helped me watching. So, Soph and I recently um, binged a YouTube series called Under a Rock with Tig Notaro, mm-hmm. and watching his episode of that made me kind of, like, a palate refresh, and then <laughs> when I did prepped for this episode, he didn't annoy me at all. Um, I think sometimes, like, the quantity of him yeah. is just also, he's such a, like... I feel like, you know, when you watch a TV show, you're like, oh, I know that person or I know a version of that person Uh or whatever. Abe is so foreign to me. Yeah. Like, I couldn't place him. And he wasn't um, predict. He was predictable until he, like, really wasn't. And then I I couldn't follow. So maybe that's... off the rails was... Like, joining the, like, communist (laughs) And then also, like, uh, when he had all those, like people come to his house like the yeah, Sam poets like kids, yeah. it just didn't seem on like so I think was, he just was going through his own little like midlife crisis yeah, for sure yeah. maybe that's why he's annoying but um but I mean of course I love Midge but packing the lead seems pretty I picked Midge yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I I mean I literally left it blank I don't know um my favorite relationship was Susie and Midge mm. and my favorite season was either one or two um purely on the visuals for season two and her outfits were amazing and again they were in Paris and then also upstate at mm-hmm. the Catskills and then my favorite episode is season two episode five at Steiner the camp in the Catskills is like where most of this episode is set but what happens in this episode is the Maisels show up to camp so Midge and her family are already there and the measles show up and they're just so obnoxious and their whole anyway it's just like a lot of physical situational comedy with them which I always really appreciate Mm -hmm. there's a hair salon scene which I don't know why I find the hair salon at the at the Catskill so fucking funny but like (laughs) I just think it's hysterical right and we get to see Joel sort of dating, kind of, or at least the girls fawning over newly single Joel with the whole bowling thing. I thought it was so cute how we got to see the bowling, like the boys. Because, you know, of course, now we have the machines, but it was like so cute, the little, you know, bowling pin setter upper guy. Right, right, right. Um, back in the back even, but, uh, you know, Joel kind of newly being fawned over by these girls was so interesting to watch. And... We get Midge and Benjamin in the car ride. He I gives her a ride love back. The car ride yeah. scene. The car ride was fabulous. Her outfit was fabulous. She has a little hair scarf on. And of course the convertible is also like so cool. What I love anytime, sorry, I keep hijacking this episode for no. me, but anytime a character like Benjamin, we was set up to be one way and like Midge broke him down. Yeah. And like they kind of started to become like compatible like, uh-huh. throughout that drive. And yeah. I just loved seeing his facade slowly fade away and like made the rest of their story believable well because it was a really good right well because his first time preconceived what's interesting is he has a super rigid preconceived notion of her yes and she doesn't necessarily notice that you know like the whole boat rowing thing like at the beginning when they were trying to like 
earlier in the season when they're trying to placate their mothers who have like tried to set them up. She doesn't get it that he thinks she's just like another dumb bitch. Right. Um, but like he does. <laughs> and um, I mean, you can't blame him if you're like a tall, hot doctor <laughs> and your mother has been like setting you up with the girls your entire life. Like I get it. But um, his, right. Like exactly like you said, Midge accidentally just by like, of course, being herself in these like more quiet moments where he's actually getting to see her as a person is like, oh, you're actually not who I thought you were. Right. You're more interesting. Well, and and they like met around their families and like everybody's a little different around their parents, even if Mm -hmm. they don't mean to be. No, for sure. Yeah. He had great. Jake just said he has great character development. That is true. Um, (laughs) So they get back to New York. Benjamin decides to ask her on a date because he's got tickets to a Broadway play. And he says, my, one of my clients gave me these tickets, you know, uh-huh. would you like to go with me to the show? And she says, so you work on the barter system? And Benjamin says, my clients think if they give me things, I'll work harder at keeping them alive. Mitch <laughs> says, is that true? And he says, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so she also lands the big gig, you know, <laughs> Susie is still in the Catskills and so pissed when she figures out that Midge is back in New York. Of course, she's like, I called every like number I could possibly figure out. And then I try your house and that's where you are. (laughs) Um, Right. And then um, we get to see a little bit of Midge and Benjamin. They go on the date. So we get to see that. And like budding romance with the two of them. It's a longer episode. A lot happens. There's so much happens in this episode. This isn't the episode before is when Abe sees her perform for the first time. That's in this episode. She has to go jump ahead. Well, because she gets the call that's like, come back, come back. And so that's when she gets the ride from her brother and Astrid. We could hear about Astrid's smelly fertility paste. And she's wearing the nice dress and her brother's giving her a hard time. She drops off, gets dropped off at the Concord the also the owner or the booking agent or whatever thinks she needs to be ugly to be funny Mm -hmm. so that's like a whole thing but of course she gets on and oh yeah and in this episode is polynesian night which again i just love the kitschiness and quirkiness of uh steiner it's just hysterical to me but and so we also get midge's or uh, well, yeah, Midge's mother-in-law, former mother-in-law, whatever, Joel's mom in her fur coat mm-hmm. at Polynesian <laughs> and all of the bad jokes that Midge's mom has to suffer through that Moish is telling, which is like so on brand, but whatever. So because Midge's dad doesn't want to put up with it, he doesn't go to Polynesian night. And so he ends up going to the Concord where, of course, Midge is performing in the middle of her set, she sees him and has a meltdown, but, like, keeps going. And so this is the episode where finally the secret's out to her parents, at least. Everyone else knows, which, of course, her and Benjamin talked about earlier in the episode. She's like, I'm a comedian. And he's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, she's cool. like, but nobody knows. Well, they know, and they know, and they know, and they know, and they know. And the girl walking around Steiner, yeah, she's my agent. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, so it sounds like a lot of people no. no and that was that was also this conversation was also cute not to like circle real quick back to that but a callback from earlier about him was 
maybe his own mother saying, well, he wants, he says he wants a weird girl. Yeah. And he thinks all these girls, that's ergo, all the girls that he's ever met have all been the same. So he treats Midge as one of the girls who is the same in that category. And then when she, they get to the end of this conversation where she's like, I'm a comedian and nobody knows, but like, this is what I do. He, was he like, says to himself, weird. Like, that's weird. Like, and smiles. Like, yeah. he's like, ooh. <laughs> like, I like this about Yeah, yeah, you. exactly. So, um, also her set was very funny at the Concord. Like, it was funny even, and even with her dad being there, you know. Um, but anyway, so that is my favorite episode. Sorry to give, like, a full deep recap of that, but, um, yeah. It's okay, so, I don't have a full deep recap for mine, so it'll even out. God, I didn't, I mean, I even, like, I did not write, oh, and all her outfits are amazing in that episode. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's all I wrote. All right. Perfect. Okay, so my character, my highlight stats. My mm-hmm. favorite character is Midge. Mm-hmm. Shockingly, my favorite relationship is Midge and Joel. Mm-hmm. My favorite season is three. My favorite episode is Vote for Kennedy, Vote for Kennedy. Season two, episode eight, which is the telethon. I enjoyed yes. that episode a lot. I looked at your notes, so I know that you also <laughs> did. So yeah. I will let you take it from here. Sophie, what is your okay. single best scene? What the people come for? Drum roll, please. My single best scene is season two. Did you say it was episode eight? Yes. I thought it was nine. Oh, let me look really quick. I have it up. I'm probably wrong. Season two, episode nine. Well, hold on. (laughs) Because it is that vote for Kennedy, vote for Kennedy. Yeah, that's fine. Is it nine? It's. (laughs) Or is it eight? My internet's loading. Oh, that's fine. Whatever. Anyway, it's... I think it's episode nine. Okay, it's Vote for Kennedy, Vote for Kennedy. So this is, as Maddie mentioned, the telethon for arthritis episode. Sophie Lennon is on her bullshit trying to torpedo Midge and keeps having Midge's time slot pushed back. So they're, her and Susie are waiting around all day and... <laughs> Her time slot keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. But the actual scene from the episode that I think is the single best scene of the show that I think is like you have to watch, see the scene to get the show is when it starts when the cannons go off prematurely. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the cannons go off with five minutes left. Like it's 1155 and the cams go off and one of the producers goes, wait, there's still one more. One more. So Midge gets her five minutes and she's like, you know, okay, like I'm going to make the best of this and goes on and absolutely crushes it, is so funny and totally works with what she's been, that like the hand she's been dealt. The uh, producers in the box who have been annoyed by with her all day are actually also like wait this girl is actually funny Uh and this happens we also get to see like a little compilation of uh like Joel has it on in his living room and Abe has it on in their family's living room and he gets up and goes to the other room because he hears it on and he can see into their neighbor's tv and they and they have it on and they're laughing, you know, with Midge. So it's sort of this, like, aha moment for, I mean, we already knew Midge was great, obviously, but this is, like, 
oh, the world is receptive to her and her kind of comedy. comedy. And she actually can do this. Maybe, you know, like foot in the door. This is actually, and of course her mom says, so this is actually happening, isn't it? And that's it, right? So it was just really cute and she really crushes it and it's just really great. I, um, another reason why I love, sorry, when you're saying this, I think that scene is wonderful. And when Mm -hmm. I saw you were doing it, I was glad that I looked at yours because I, um, I was just glad some, we were talking about it because Mm -hmm. it's so great. But one of the things that you pointed out that I think is another reason why I'm team Joel and Midge, not necessarily for marriage, not for whatever, Mm -hmm. but he is supportive of her once he acknowledges that he wasn't good. Like it took right. his, his ego taking. And so no, like, I support them having, having a co-parenting yes. relationship. I just, when you were saying that, I was like, it was so great to see everyone in supporting her world supporting her, her or acknowledging her. Well, and I know this isn't part of the scene, but we had just come fresh off Susie ripping Sophie Lennon a new one and being yes. like the big dog of like, don't fuck with me, don't fuck with my client. So that was also like an awesome setup, but- yeah. Totally agree. I think that's like a great, a great scene and a great use of Midge's stand-up without being stand-up. Yeah. Like it was stand-up, but like her engaging with the callers yes. on the phone. And like and it being it, on TV was, and like using the camera joke um, was like a new, new but old. Yeah. You know? And I think one of the reasons that we both like this scene so much and you picking it as your single best scene makes sense is because you did enjoy her kind of more off the cuff. Yeah. Like brand of stand-up versus the written stand-up and this was very reminiscent of her season one right she's just like making up as she goes along she's just going well and she says after the scene ends when her and Susie are kind of reflecting on she's like you know this really sucked that I did have to go so late I'm sure nobody saw it but the pressure was off right so I think it went better and that was correct (laughs) everyone saw it everyone saw it including shy Baldwin, right? Yes. That's that's where she gets her little look. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, perfect. What is your single best scene? I have a single best scene first. My single best scene is from the pilot. Wow! Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, it's a first ever. I think, yeah. on the podcast. So. <laughs> so you only have to watch the pilot. And, and, the, <laughs> and the end of season two. No, I had a lot that I was thinking of, but. The scene that I just come back to every, every time is Joel leaving Midge. It's equal <laughs> with parts. With her suitcase. With her suitcase. <laughs> it is equal parts heartbreaking and hilarious because, like, what we've seen is this, like, really happy couple, mm-hmm. really fun. They go to the gaslight together. They do all of this stuff. And, like, yeah, right. we don't see it from Joel's point of view. Mm-hmm. And so I think, like, even down to her being, like, you're leaving me. He was, like, have you ever wanted to be something that you're not, that you're not. or and be she, someone else. Yeah, and yeah. she was like, yeah, I'm married. Like, have you ever, what is there? Oh, like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the scene is just so beautiful, so heartbreaking, and funny, mm-hmm. which it was like, oh, we're in for a fucking ride on the show, <laughs> and, like, it's been great ever since. But, like, him taking her suitcase to leave, <laughs> the girl's name being Penny Pan. I made I the jokes know. earlier, but, like, you better take some pens, but, like, her <laughs> asking him not to leave, and yeah. him then being like, I've been having an affair, like, it was hurtful. It was honest. Yeah. It was beautiful. The acting was great. And you could still see so much love. Yeah. And the fact that, like, Joel was just obviously running from his own life. Yeah, for sure. Um, Was great. And then I have a quote, like, a thing from 
um, the scene after. So then Joel says, you'll tell your parents for me. And she laughs and says, that might be the funniest thing you've ever said. (laughs) Which to a... Someone who thought they were a co- comedian. Like, com- comedian is just like so hurtful. And so she goes <laughs> to tell Abe. And yeah. Abe's like, what's the one thing I told you when you left for school? And she's oh, like. Okay. The whole scene of her telling her parents is fucking hilarious. It's so funny. <laughs> but it comes down to one line that I. So I tell people to watch the pencil line. I better take some pen yeah. than this one. And he's like, no, I told you not to pick a meek win- um yeah, what did I tell you when you went to, to off to college and she was like, find a good deli. Yeah, or and he's like, no, the other good. thing. She was like, that also had to do with deli. And then he said, don't pick a, a weak man. Life mm-hmm. isn't fair. It's hard and cruel. You have to pick your friends as if there's a war going on. You want a husband who will take a bullet for you, not one who points to the attic and says they're up there. Which, which is the, a Holocaust joke. Which it's not, it's not even necessary. I mean, it's a joke in, the, in some sense, but it also reminds us of- Line, I guess of how the Holocaust isn't that far for them. Nope. Like it, Real it kind of sets it, like it's been in the last, what, 15 years and yeah. Abe and Rose picked each other during, right, right, right. during the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that was just like the final kind of like nail in the coffin of like, Abe's never going to forgive Joel type of thing. Right. Like if he compares you to someone who would sell out. Right. Their Nazis, family to Nazis. Right. I then, mean, holy. And also it's just like, I think to me, fucking Amy Sherman Palladino wit. Yeah. Like that to me, like that line, you can dissect it a million different uh-huh. ways, which is only something she can do. Right. And it just like so. sneaks in there. Yeah. So like, I guess that's like two single bus scenes in one storyline, yeah. but um, yeah. All right. So, you know, the true thing people come for. <laughs> yeah. What people are really here for is our recommendations. <laughs> we could just have a whole show that is just us telling people <laughs> what we we're promoting random shit. The pitch. Everybody listen to our pitch series. Okay, no, no, but like <laughs> random stuff that's not no, I'm that's kidding. not TV related. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, what's your? Oh, I have one uh, one bit of news, and oh. we've alluded to All it. And right. It's not news, news, but um, it has been renewed for season four, and they're up for a bunch of Emmys. So exciting! By the time this comes out, the Emmys will have aired. So we'll keep you updated on the Instagram about who wins. We. This is gonna air in October. Yeah, that means they're so it'll 20th. be over. Yeah, that's why I say we'll update you on who won on the Instagram page. Like, like we will have done it in the past. By the time you listen to this, to this right now, you can go to our Instagram page and see who won an Emmy. <laughs> there it is. There it is. If you would like to, or you can just watch the Emmys, <laughs> or listen to our episode that's or recapped to our the recap Emmys. Emmys episode. My recommendation of the week is for all of you gals out there who also love Midge's 1950s style. There is an Etsy shop that I have found and actually ordered from called Hearts and Found. We will put a link in the show notes and also on the Instagram. But it is a shop out of Vietnam, which some international Etsy sellers I'm generally a little suspicious of because shipping times can be slow. And also, like, how do I know you're legit? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But this one is great. I've ordered a like two piece set from her. It's you can order standard sizing or custom order like custom size, which I ended up doing because I wanted a custom. It's a shell and a skirt combo. And I wanted the shell to be a little longer because I'm so tall, but she does custom stuff and she does, you know, just, you know, off the rack quote unquote. And it's all, you know, 1950s puffy skirts and really cute prints. And she also does, you know, of course, your normal 
um, solid collars as well. And it's, it's a little bit expensive just because the shipping is a little, is a little pricey, but she runs little discounts a lot on her Instagram and her Instagram also has honestly good content. <laughs> she posts cutesy pictures from the fifties of these glamorous girls and all their cute little outfits. So it's generally a fun follow, even if, you know, you yeah. never order anything, but she does do sales usually like around the holidays and it's usually about 20 ish percent off. Um, and the dresses are, uh, like 70 to like 110 like dollars. Um, and then she also does a circle skirt type thing for a 50 ish, but, um, yes, Vietnam manufactures a lot of clothes and they do, custom is pretty common there. I've actually been and had some custom things made. But I, once I realized all, I ordered from her before going to Vietnam. But afterwards I was like, oh, this totally makes sense. Right. Like why? It's like ordering a plaid scarf from Scotland. Like you'd be like, well, this tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, yes. 10 out of 10 would recommend. She's legit. Her stuff is so cute. And I've, of course, since we had this podcast and I can't get through an episode without trying to figure out how to become Mrs. Maisel in my wardrobe, I have looked at her stuff recently and it's still on point. So that's my rec. What's yours? Mine is a book. I'm sure you're tired of hearing about it because I'm obsessed with it. It's called The Night Swim by Megan Golden. It just came out. It is about a podcaster who does like true crime. Um... And she goes to a small town to cover a rape trial. And while she's there, she gets anonymous letters to solve a murder that was that happened 25 years prior. So there's like two storylines mm, going on at the same time. Interesting. It was so good. I didn't want it to be over. It's not my typical genre, but mm-hmm. it um, it was my f- second five-star book this year. And my other one was Normal People. Wow. Well, didn't you also say someone tweeted something like, if I get murdered, I want two white women with a podcast to solve it. My sister's boyfriend tagged me in that. <laughs> and I was like, honestly, both ways. Like, if I get murdered, I want to. Also, if anybody I know gets murdered, Sophie and I can turn this into, like, the a single crime. best crime scene. And that would be, like, the most tasteless podcast ever. But, um, yeah, it was funny. It was, like, kind of like a serial-esque. Like, yeah. her first two podcasts had been closed cases mm, that she mm-hmm. had worked on. And this was the first like oh, active act- rape trial like that was going on. Okay, and um, they handled the subject matter really um, delicately. Obviously, if that's something that triggers you, don't read the book. But all right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This podcast is produced by myself, Sophie Orlich, with help from Jake Orlich. No relation. Maddie Line is my favorite co-host. And our lovely theme song is by Chandler Reeves. For news and updates, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SingleBestScene or check out our website at SingleBestScene.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, and especially if you're one of our actual friends, make sure you're subscribed to the pod and drop us a five-star review. We deserve it. Autoplay next episode.